Hi, I'm Pam Musel. I love the name of this show. So, what do you really do? If you like getting the inside scoop on creative folks, I think you'll like my show, Art Heals All Wounds. Each week, we go in depth with an artist about their work and find out what really motivates them. You can find Art Heals All Wounds anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now, let's get to the show and learn what Lewis Black really does. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I speak to artists and entertainers about their day jobs and on the podcast. Today is from The Daily Show, comedian, satirist, actor, playwright, uh, and really nice guy, Lewis Black. He may not seem it because he's angry and rants, but he could not have been nicer in our interview. Uh, this is another interview that came up about because of my work with Dig Boston. Uh, his people reached out to me because they wanted to help promote his show. Uh, March 11th at the Emerson Colonial Theater. Pick up tickets at emersoncolonialtheater.com. Um, real quick, before we get into the episode, though, we do have a sponsor, and today's sponsor is Word of the Day with Comedians. It's a brand new podcast that I have. It's my own podcast. Uh, I'm sponsoring my own podcast with my other podcast. Anyway, Word of the Day with Comedians is a weekday, daily weekday podcast where me and another comedian get together, we pick a word, we define it, we make fun of it, and then we try to create the most absurd, funniest sentence using that word in context. I guarantee you it is the funniest way to expand your vocabulary. You can check it out on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify uh, by going to just searching for Word of the Day with Comedians. The with comedians part is very important to the search engine optimization. So word of the day with comedians, or you can go to deaderdentist.com and click on word of the day with comedians. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, or if you're going to listen to word of the day with comedians for the first time, I would really appreciate it. If you would like subscribe, comment, do all those things. Um, if you're having a good, uh, if you enjoyed my conversation with Lewis black, please tell people about it. Um, the best way to help me and to help the people that come on this podcast is just to tell other people about it. You can do that in the comment section of your favorite podcast app or in person to somebody's face, preferably while wearing a mask, if you still need to do that. Uh, anyway, about the podcast, uh, Lewis and I, we, we talked on the phone, uh, and all my technology worked this time. <laughs> if you listened to the Jim Jeffries episode a few weeks ago, you will know that I had a tech error that I was not happy about. Uh, and I appreciate everyone who's listened to the podcast and sent me messages saying, look, it sounds fine. Stop worrying. Uh, if I could stop worrying, then I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> telling me to stop worrying is like telling the sun not to rise. That's just one of those things that I do. Uh, but anyway, it was very nice. Of, uh, I enjoyed all the private messages uh, from people about it. And I'm glad everyone enjoyed that conversation and all my previous conversations. And if you're here for the first time, I'm glad that you're here and that you're going to enjoy my conversation with comedian and actor and playwright, Lewis Black. <laughs> Good afternoon, Mr. Black. This is Dennis from Dig Boston in the podcast. So what do you really do? How are you today? Oh, just delightful. It's really uh, <laughs> like, uh, like it, the winter to keep going. I'd like uh, there to be more problems behind the problems. I'd like to, I'd like to know what's stacked up next <laughs> uh, behind. I'm really, uh, it's just beyond belief. It's just, it's really beyond belief. Okay. Well, yeah. the, uh, well, 
Do you get a lot of these interviews? But otherwise, otherwise, I'm great. I'm just great. <laughs> Other than, you know, impending de- drew, uh, uh, dread and doom, everything's fine. Just living the nightmare. Everything's just great. <laughs> do you have a lot of these interviews to do today? No, uh, there was just one this morning, and then I saw my shrink, so I'm really prepared to talk to you. Perfect. Excellent. And by the way, uh, uh, with uh, let's talk about this, because uh, we'll open up with this, because it's a super current, but also I feel like you have an interesting perspective on it, because if I remember correctly, you're a descendant of Jewish Russians. So the situation going in Ukraine right now as both a political satirist and somebody whose heritage is from there... How is that going for you? Well, we laughed, didn't we? <laughs> There's a reason for it, I'm sure. Okay. I mean, a long time ago, because they were um, coming after us. <laughs> so there was a thing called pogroms, and we got out of there in the early 1900s. Uh, my grandparents uh, fled. So... Uh, Really, uh, you know, never really rooted for the team. <laughs> oh yeah, see, the, I didn't. I forgot about the math because you're 72, right? And your mother's 100, so I didn't do the math of it was the early yeah. night, early 1900s. I was thinking like, oh when, yeah, they you know, came most families, over way, way early. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just in my head thinking like Ellis Island days or something like that, but I forgot that your family go, your family heritage goes a lot farther back right now. Well, it's not. It, it really is the early 1900s where they kind of rolled in, you know after wandering about a bit. Um, and talking about current subject and stuff like that, is that, do you find it difficult to keep up with a fast-paced news cycle that we're at? Like things we just blow through so quickly. Uh, what different stories are going on? Do you feel it, it's difficult to keep up with and stay current? Um, I don't really, you know, I mean, it's like I work on my, I kind of work on my um, uh, act, which is, uh, at this point, is only my is my act, which is not which is only somewhat. I do some current things, and I do this thing called the ranches do, which takes place afterwards. Where um, we're in front of the audience. So when I'm in Boston, we've done it before. It's a live feed that goes throughout the world, and the and folks from the Boston who are in the audience, or in, you know, if you're coming that night, it's a you know you write in a. Uh, write in a rant i'll read it um if if uh, if it works um you know i read a lot of the stuff that comes in from the folks in boston and then the folks in massachusetts or somebody who was who lived in boston who's got something to say or if it's something that like somebody from you know uh there was recently somebody in canada was yelling about the truckers so it was somebody who had some i thought some interesting information so i read what they had to say they were yelling about the uh, the guys on the border there, um, so you know it. Um, so that's really where the a lot of the current stuff comes out at this point, and I comment on it. Um, but the fast pace of it is, um, in, in the sense, it's it's fast pace, but it's the same. Hmm. Nothing's changed. Now we're in the Ukraine. Okay, what were we in before that? We were literally in. Um, there's COVID. There's no COVID. There's COVID. There's no COVID. There's masks. Don't wear masks. Mask. Maybe you should wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Now there's a. You know. Then there was uh, uh, voting stuff. Vote. Note. Vote. People should vote. You know. I mean, it's. It's always. I mean, literally. I do these. Um, I do the intro to the rantcast, and it's like literally the same three things that are happening. There's <laughs> variations on a theme. This one is big and new. 
this one is huge and horrifying. Have you found like I love that your your shows are becoming uh, yet you're adapting uh, and making your shows interactive. That is an interesting thing to do because some people kind of get bogged well, down. Well, it's in been one you know here's what's really interesting. It's six years I've been doing it, and, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't seem to have pierced in certain ways really what what we're what we're doing. I mean, it goes around the world. I mean, people are not this. We were just in. Uh, in California, and, and it was people in Australia who were watching it, or, uh, you know, folks in uh, who were waking up in Scotland. I, I mean, that, you know, and we've been doing it for six years. Well, speaking on the, uh, that's a huge technological advancement uh, in comedy is that you're streaming it out to everybody across the country. During the pandemic, when a lot of things switched to being online and Zoom comedy and so uh, distanced, you know, remote uh, podcast interviews, TV segments and stuff like that. Did you find it difficult to try and keep up with that level of technology or were you? I wasn't doing that. I'm not. I didn't know. No Zoom. No Zoom <laughs> comedy. No, 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 no. To me, it was never comedy. To me, it's psychotic. To me, it's the road to really a road to some form of psychosis. I'm not going to sit there in front of a bunch of squares, you know, with people inside them. And I'm, well, no, I would do Q and A's with kids and stuff like that, but I'm not doing stand up sitting in my desk. You know? It's like There's you're talking to the Brady Bunch it. intro. Yeah. Or the, uh, or you're also, you know, it's Hollywood squares without Paul Lind. <laughs> You know what? That's what Zoom comedy needed. A good Charles Nelson Riley. Exactly. <laughs> so I never, you know, there were people who did it and were, you know, enjoyed it. It was not something I enjoyed. I need to work in front of an audience live because that's where I write. That's really, I'm so it was like, you know, it was having, uh, you know, it was like I was being cut off because I could not, uh, I would, I would do these um, started the rant cast. That's what I did um, when 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 I was kind of um, when I couldn't get out on the road. And the, it, the thing was is that I could stay in touch with my uh, with my sense of comedy because what I'm what I was really good at, where I knew how to, where I because I'd spent all that time on the Daily Show and on my own as a as a performer, I knew how to do a rant. I knew how to read somebody's rant. I knew how to make that funny, and I knew how to comment on it. Um, but and so that was really where it, what what was my lifeline, and and what was amazing before the shutdown was how well written the stuff was. And what's really amazing about it is it, it, it's a it's like an old time TV show in in which I'm, it's me standing in front of a microphone, and it's written by the people in the city I'm in. That's interesting that you are a on-stage writer. Me as a comedian uh, myself, I also feel like I'm a stage writer. Like I feel that fight or flight moment when I'm talking about a subject, that fight or flight moment to come up with a punchline in the moment uh, works better with my process. And then I go back and I hone things down and I go through a writing process. Do you think your ability to write on stage and write in the moment in front of people comes from your earlier days as a playwright when you're literally having to write for people in the room in front of you yeah i think it had a lot to do with the i think the playwriting certainly fed into it you know um and in a lot of ways it was tougher uh playwriting is uh, to me tougher in a lot of ways than than stand-up 
make sure that people who disagree with that, but uh, <laughs> but you're but you're you know you the thing is is you're uh, you know you're creating this group of characters to create a reality, and then you have to have the audience buy into the creation. That's it's you know, and uh, so it's tough. But but that was really you know it was. You know, it was, you know, the writing and dialogue, and that was, you know, so, uh, and then it was kind of like, so I'm, I'm, I basically became the character. And when it comes to writing your stand-up as opposed to writing for, uh, segments for The Daily Show, is there a different process? Like on The Daily Show, do you have a group of people to bounce ideas off of? Are they both still kind of improvised? The difference is, is that I originally wrote all of the stuff. Then, um... Then they brought in, then we started showing those clips. So they brought in people to work with me. Um, I never was a, uh, a, a great punchline person without an audience. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was doing it once a week or once every two weeks, uh, you know, and I would come in and these guys were really good at it. And I kind of would throw stuff in, um, and we would watch these things. And what I would kind of do is take what they had, put it together. Then they take it, do they'd hone it down. Then I would hone it, and then they would finish it off. And then, um, and that went on for a while. And then uh, there were a couple of producers who came in who didn't uh, who didn't think I was was funny, and that I didn't write enough. Really? Yeah, and didn't and didn't. They felt that my attitude. They didn't quite get that. What was funny was my attitude. I mean, that seemed to escape them. So um, they started cutting lines that I wrote, and uh, writers that I work with went, you know, he's been doing this line on stage for 10 years. He gets a huge laugh. And they would say, literally, I quote, um, we, can, we can do better than that. So, um, so, so this is when I was kind of at the... You know, doing you know was had a, a you know just broken through and had a started performing in theaters and had a you know and had had these uh, had a special on HBO really so okay so um, so then I they I just realized um, I'm gonna okay you you know I could fight them on this but it was ridiculous I said okay you want to pay me to do this write whatever you want and then I'll just and that was really where I got I said I'm acting. So I can read whatever you give me and make it in my voice, and that was what I did. And then, um, and then it kind of came back to me again when those guys left, and uh, it came more and more back in t toward me. And then when Trevor came on, um, you know, there's been um, you know some 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 more of my involvement in it, and, uh, and it, he occasionally lets me, you know, because of. Um, you know this this kind of social media stuff we've got. You know, if I I would flip out in front of an audience and just start yelling stuff, and then they would cut that and put it online, which is great. And that would and that didn't occur with uh, before. So so for me, I've been through twenty five years of it. It's like unbelievable. And I don't really oh, man, know where we're, we're at now. That. I don't. I mean, I'm doing it uh, just before I come up there. Um, I'll be doing the uh, the Daily Show. Hopefully, if all goes well, it'll be, uh, it'll be on uh, a week from Wednesday or Thursday. That's interesting to hear the back, you know, the behind the scenes 
things like that, especially someone who's been like you've been with it so long. Out of curiosity, the producers who didn't trust you was that during the Craig Kilborn days or the John Stewart days? Oh no, that was in Kilborn. No, that was when I was writing it on my own. Cause, uh, and then okay. I, um, at first I wrote it. I mean, I didn't even write it on my own. But the first five that I did, I improved. Oh, I remember the, watching the first episode when I was a kid, watching the first episode, and you just smoking away while ranting. I'm like, oh, this is everything I want to be when I grow up, right there. <laughs> so that was really where it started. And then uh, and it was with Jon Stewart that these um, these guys came in. And you could actually, you know, there's this daily show, uh, um, Oral History, and that was where I found out about some <laughs> of it, uh, was what they had talked about. Speaking of uh, your lengthy history uh, in both comedy uh, and Daily Show and just being a writer, do you ever have concerns that sometimes your material may not have aged so well? I remember an old bit of yours. And the reason I remember this specifically is because Drew Carey also had one that was very similar. They're both different jokes, but they're in the same topic of global warming, where you're both talking about spraying global warm, uh, spraying, you know, spray paint or, or hairspray just because it's so cold out. Do you con- are you concerned with this day and yeah. age where we're s- there's such an outcry about global warming stuff? Do you feel that th- something like that, or in general, your comedy has not a may not age well? I I, I can't worry about that. I mean, I, God, I, I'm hoping to get to Thursday. <laughs> That's the perfect answer. Thank you. Kidding me? Worry about <laughs> worry about that? No, I mean uh, no, I don't. I mean I don't really. And some of it, you know, people will say, boy, that still really applies, and I'm Hmm. amazed. So who knows? Excellent. Um, And I will tell you this. uh, I graduated high school in uh, 1999, and right after high school, my friend joined the Marine Corps. And two years later, he got drafted right in Afghanistan. Everything's fine and and whatnot. But after his first uh, return home, after basic training, uh, we uh, we talked about a a lot of things, and I was really getting into comedy then. And then a few years later, he came back and was talking about uh, his first time I'd seen him since he left. Uh, or since that first boot camp return. And he talked about you. He saw you on a USO tour um, and just talked yeah. about you for for the entire time. He really, really enjoyed it. Uh, he never he never watched a daily show. He never uh, knew anything about you until he saw the, you on that USO tour. Um, and what I'm wondering is because a lot of people in the military seem to be very conservative, whereas you seem to be, I would say, it's comfortable to say, very much liberal in your politics. Do you sometimes worry about the people you're performing for on like a USO tour or in general, don't share your same views on politics and may become disingenuous? Well, I didn't really do politics in, I didn't do politics there. And the thing that we do agree on is, is that uh, one, one thing that you can pretty much count on in the service is those, those people don't like authority either. (laughs) So, So I didn't really, uh, you know, I didn't do much in terms of bother. I had a lot of stuff that I could talk about and be around the edges of it. Because basically, um, you know, until this, until the madness, which is what we're in, we're in just total madness and denial, and there's a really a fight uh, by people, a lot of people who seem to be my age and somewhat younger, uh, to get back to 1956, that seems to be the target date. You know, they really, they ever since color TVs were invented, they've seemed to have had a breakdown. So, um, <laughs> but, oh, look at those people are a different color. So, um, the, um, the, the, uh, uh, I've always been, an, it's been equal opportunity. Um, 
you know, because where I, you know, because I basically kind of go, you know, I'm, uh, you know, and and a lot of what I've said is is during the course of it is is I may be a, uh, you know, I've, I've said this from time to time. I'm a socialist, but basically the only way stuff gets done in this country, you know, I, my job is to say let's go here, and then the job of the the, uh, the other side is to go. No, we can't do that. <laughs> so that's the deal. That's how you negotiate. That's it's all about being in the middle. You fucking idiots. <laughs> Excellent. It really is. I mean, that's really the bottom line of it. So, I mean, I said that, and that was really another revelation was when I kind of went, wow, it's, uh, it's, they've, they've driven me so nuts now that uh, I'm in the middle. They've driven me to the middle. Uh, out of curiosity, since you said, uh, you know, your politics are socialist, uh, are you are you a Bernie supporter? Because I love his views and stuff, but I also find him to be so hilariously cartoonish that I can't take him seriously. Well, I mean, I like a lot of what he says. You know, of course. I mean, you know, look, he's, he, that's who I got. So, you know, and uh, and they say, you know, AOC is, is but uh, I don't, I, I don't know if, really if she's a bona fide. No, I don't know. Um, and I certainly don't. I'm not at a, you know, they think like, oh, boy, like I got a club somewhere. There's like a socialist club. <laughs> Go back, for, you know, 75 years, you fucking. It's, that's when people were really, there was there was a party. There was a real socialist party that was a really a kind of a, a, you know, seen as a kind of a threat. Much, the you know, at times. Bernie is like, that's my, you know, I'm, I'm, he's the, you know, that's it. I got one pitcher. We don't have eight other players, okay? What's the threat? <laughs> and for the Republicans and for the Democrats to be completely incompetent when it comes to getting across the message that they're not socialist is beyond belief. <laughs> is be, I mean, it, how stupid are you? You're in, you're really are incompetent. The Democrats don't seem to know how to tell you what the, it is that they want to do, and the Republicans don't seem to want to, don't seem to know how to tell you what they're not going to do. <laughs> it's kind of a, uh, what's that Buffalo Springfield lyric? Uh, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's Stephen Stills, I think. Uh, or actually, it's, um, what's his name? David, fuck. <laughs> I'll be, God damn it. Wasn't Stephen Son Stills the lead singer bitch. of Buffalo Springfield? Yeah, but he was also... Of course, we still Nash and Young, but that was, I don't think it was with that. I'm not sure it was that. I'm, well, fuck, what do I, my brain is shot. <laughs> we'll move on from, from, uh, guess that song lyric. Yeah, really, uh, you know, name, name that, that tune. That tune. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm always curious, uh, at what point, cause I always feel as a stand up myself, um, I've always said that stage persona, like for me on stage is the real me. Um, off stage, I'm, I, I have to hold back a little bit to be more palatable to people. I get very energetic. I'm very boisterous. I'm very animated on stage. And I feel like in life around people to be palatable, I have to quell it down. But I've always said stand-up comedians are their, the best, at least, are themselves on stage only amplified. And I'm curious with someone like you who is very uh, boisterous and differently energetic, uh, at what point does the... Lewis Black on stage character shift into the reality of who Lewis Black is. Uh, if I was, that was my character, I'd be dead. If that was who I was all the time, <laughs> I could be good for three days, and then they'd say, "Well, we're going to have to. We may, you know, he's going to have to go to the hospital. He's, he's. I think his heart burst. Um, <laughs> no, I think it was. Uh, 
I think that basically it's a big blown up version uh, of myself. And what it allowed me to do was to kind of be more myself off stage, really. So I was able to get rid of a lot of it. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of uh, comedians who said that being on stage helped them in their come out uh, and be more um, uh, extroverted because they were able to to learn how to be exuberant um, on stage and they were able, it helped them a lot more uh, in their life. And um, the last question I'm going to ask you is a question I asked almost every single comedian and I never quite get the right answer. So if you, do, it's, um, I always, because everyone thinks there's a, a, a right or wrong with it and there's not. I just think it's, it's, it's a question that's very only to us as comedians. And that is, do you think of yourself as a writer or a performer? As in, you perform because you have the need to write or you write because you have the need to perform? I perform because... And you can't say both. Huh? Well, I can say and this. you can't say both. Of course. I, <laughs> I can say that, you know, I, perf- I perform because I couldn't find anybody else who wanted to do this shit. <laughs> So okay. I got stuck with I it. I like that answer. I like that answer. Yeah, I'm a very, uh, throughout my, my career of everything I do, I've, I'm have i a behind-the-scenes guy, I'm an in-front-of-the-mic guy, in front of the camera, behind the camera. I do all things as, you know, quote-unquote renaissance man almost uh, because growing up, if I wanted to do these things, there was nobody else who knew how to work a camera. There was nobody else who knew how to edit audio, so I had to do all of that. Yeah. Um, and I really empathize with you saying that. But it's also, you know, I mean, the other thing is, is everything you do, because they always say, which do you like best? I said, they all feed into each other. Everything you do feeds into everything else. So you're doing exactly what you should be doing if you want to, you know, it all, it all helps. Uh, everything, everything feeds on everything else. Everything um, allows for that. It's, there's nothing, it allows for that, your evolution as a performer or as a writer or as a, a director or a, any of those things that you enter into allows uh, the other things you want to be to become better. Excellent. Um, and then uh, the, the, the schlocky uh, plug question uh, uh, for this is, what can uh, people in Boston at the Emerson Colonial Theater expect from the new Off the Rails tour on March 11th? <clears throat> Their lives will be changed for the better. <laughs> <laughs> And if they go home uh, in the next three days, if, if they don't come to the show, this won't happen. Uh, but if they come to the show within three days, there will be uh, a massive check in the mail. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, and um, they'll either win a lottery or um, it'll be something from the, some sort of a, a absolute mess up in PPE money. Uh, but uh, that's the <laughs> kind of thing that happens after my shows. It's really it's unbelievable. Um, what they can expect is uh, the, the uh, you know, is really the second half. I did the, the Thanks for Risking Your Life, which was uh, a special that I did, really kind of an intimate special that I did the last day. It was the last performance that I did, and I think the last recorded performance by a comic in the country before the shutdown. And this really is the, the, the what I'm doing now is the next special. And that's what they're going to see, which is the, uh, 
the fastest I've ever written anything uh, in front of an audience or anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and that it's um, you know it needs some tweaking here and there, but it's basically uh, you know from you know that was the, the shutdown, and then this is what happened while I was in the shutdown. Excellent. And uh... the other thing uh, people should know about is that uh, they, if they're in Indianapolis, I'm. Uh, I happen to be for 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 at least this year the chairman of the board of the um, Kurt Vonnegut um, Museum and Library. Oh. Uh, it's an oh. ex- extraordinary um, museum and uh, that uh, devoted to Vonnegut and the things that were of importance to him. And they do some really great work with the community and throughout the country, uh, and are growing and expanding. Um, and uh, really keeping his work alive and uh so i work with them and that's well worth people's time and then uh they also should try to get if you like comedy uh the really you have to go to the uh to jamestown new york and see the national comedy center which is, is an unbelievable um it's just unbelievable it's interactive and it's there isn't it, it was it was built literally with 10 minutes to go uh, on the clock in terms of preserving uh, a lot of what uh, before things got lost. So uh, like the Smothers Brothers had two trailers filled with stuff and they were just going to, they didn't know what to do with it. So this this place is really um, uh, exceptional in that sense. And I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that. Oh, that sounds like a very innovative and fun, different thing uh, for for someone like of your talents and experience to do. So I'm glad that w- that's something that uh, is going to uh, be fun for you and something that you are a part of. Yeah, no, it's been huge. I mean, it was really it it gave me. I've been working in at a theater that uh, during those summers, and that kind of fell apart. Do they hired an asshole? So it was really <laughs> it came at this right time where I kind of I knew. Kelly Carlin, and she had just given her stuff to uh, uh, George, her, her father. She gave her, his stuff to them, and she said, you really should take a look at this and see what you think. And um, I just, I was all in and uh, haven't regretted it and think what they've done is uh, astonishing. And people who love comedy are really should get up there. It, it's, uh, it's well worth it. It's, uh, it's a beautiful part of the country. Uh, You've got a casino there. You've got, you've got the, you've got the. Um, it's also the ancestral home of uh, Lucia Ball. So the, there's a, there's a whole bunch of her stuff there. Um, uh, if you look online under National Comedy Center or, or look under Lucia Ball Jamestown, um, it's they've they've, they've got um, a lot of her memorabilia and uh, a ton of stuff and really kind of a. a an interesting uh, the telling of her history and uh, the history of Desi Lou, and uh, and then if you want, you go an hour and a half to Cleveland and go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or we're ahead, and then you can head up to uh, uh, also to complete the triangle. You can go to the Niagara Falls. It's it's kind of extraordinary. So the whole thing is well worth everybody's time, I think. Excellent, and you know what? I'm growing up 
huge fan of Lucille Ball and, and Desi Arnaz. I think the more and more I look into the, their relationship and the things that the, the innovativeness of, of their, their pairing together and things they, they put together is very reminiscent in my mind of the early, the predecessor to like Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. You know, yeah. Desi was Desi Arnaz was the person that could take all her comedy and talent and brilliance and wrangle it into uh, something on on TV in front of people. Same thing with Harold and Bill, where Harold was the only person that could wrangle Bill in and get him to do what he needed to do yeah. to be, you know, the the shining star that he was in front of people. Yep. So that's a good, uh, good. I'm gonna have to make that pilgrimage out there, uh, and I hope our listeners can. As you well. really should see it. It's. Uh, I mean, I went in, and I mean, and I'd kind of been through it, and kind of been, through, you know, I'd never really been able to spend time, and then finally I had that opportunity, and I was, uh, and I was always impressed, and I put them in. You know, I know this stuff. I don't really need to. And then I was, once I had time, I was overwhelmed. So. That's what I got to say. Excellent. And uh, I, I really want to appreciate and say thank you for your time today. It is a big, huge thing for me as a, as a kid who grew up in Baltimore. I live in Boston now, but I grew up in Baltimore. Yeah. And you're from D.C. Like we're, I feel like growing up, we're, we're neighbors to D.C. And so somebody who yeah. came from there and has done all the great, wonderful, talented things that you've been a part of uh, was very inspiring for me to grow up to see like, hey, here's somebody from similar neighborhood, similar town, similar place as me. And if he can do it, I can also do it as well. I'm not, but I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> you will. And, and take it easy. I mean, it took me fuck forever, so don't sweat it. And uh, and have a good time. And then I really appreciate it because it's the hardest thing right now is actually getting people to realize that you're coming to town. I'll walk into Boston and I can guarantee you walking to the theater you know, or around the theater, there'll be 10 people going, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, it's really something. But so thank you. Or three days later, you'll get that tweet. It was like, hey, when are you coming to town? You're like, I was just there. Exactly. Oh, boy, that's way too much. You're true. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you very Excellent. much. You have a great day. And uh, try not to uh, ex you too. exert yourself too much. Don't worry. Not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> I love when everyone is so nice. He is great. And he didn't get mad that I did an impression of him in front of him. <laughs> also, all the technology wins today. Yay. Editor.